0: I'm Austin Basis, and this is Actor Speak, where actors speak and I listen. Welcome back to part two of my interview with actor and coach Colleen Basis as we continue the conversation. So now that we're here multiple years into your business and coming out of a pandemic where you've adapted and shifted your classes and coaching online and done so much on social media talk about somewhere in that process diving in and being as active on social media as you have and specifically talk about conceiving the actor's iceberg specifically for those that might not have seen it um that might look after this but uh are listening to this and want to know kind of more about the essence of that and what do you think the ultimate goal of that image and that concept is uh, that you were trying to kind of express in, in in its creation?
1: So My relationship with social media is a complicated one, but I have found a detente with it. We've come to a place where we both enjoy each other. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so for me, social media is just a way to let people know that I'm out there, that I'm available, that I'm here, that this is what I do. For me, it's all business. And it doesn't mean that I don't put personal things up there or the things, quite frankly, most of the stuff I do as a coach is super personal, comes from a really personal place. And so in that way, it is personal. It's me. I think of it as a way for people to find out who I am and to decide if they want to work with me, if I'm the right person, or just kind of test, you know, see if they want to do a session with me. So that's how I think of it is just, If they don't know I'm there, they can't work with me. And it's a way to tell people about yourself. So the actor's iceberg is an interesting thing because I did it very early on when I was learning some of the, the ins and outs of like using this program called Canva, which once you use Canva and then you go on social media, you realize that all those beautiful, gorgeous posts that get passed around a lot are all made on Canva. Which is like it's like a graphic design thing. And it's really user-friendly and super easy to use. So I had seen because the iceberg theory, the iceberg thing is not new. I didn't invent that. It's probably some corporate thing of like what we see on the surface and what's underneath. But I had seen that like more in a corporate thing of like what success is. Like success is, you know, we have these ideas of success and then like all the things that happen underneath to achieve success. And I really started thinking about that, like in terms of actors, because I think, especially in a career in acting, like the things that tell actors they are successful are very on the surface, you know, and most of those things are not really in their control, right? Like getting an Oscar nomination. I mean, there are things you can do, but, you know, you, I mean, even at really high levels, people do performances and get big pushes and they don't get nominated. Right. So, you know, there are these things being on the red carpet and now with social media metrics and how much people book and all those kinds of things, like, you know, just getting famous and those kinds of things, you know, it's, there's a thing that I struggle with with is, it's really frustrating to me when people don't tell you how to do something, that is a base level frustrating thing for me because I am the kind of person where if you just tell me how to do it, I can do it. But if you say, yeah, we need to fix the sink. It's like, cool. How do you fix the sink? (laughs) Right. And I feel like even that it's like, people will say, you have to have a positive mindset. I'm like, great. How do you do that? Because obviously if I had a positive mindset, I would have a positive mindset. <laughs> so I think for me, that's a really and that's a that's an essence of the core of like who I am as a coach, which is I never want to just be like, well, you can just just do it. It's like, no, 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 tell me how to do it, right? Like, like actors get told all the time, like, relax, don't like get out of your head. And I'm like, cool. How do I get out of my head? Because clearly I don't know how to do it. Cause if I knew how to do it, I'd get out of my head. You wouldn't be giving me the notes. Right. And sometimes you just need to be reminded, right? Remember, this is how you get out of your head. Oh, yeah. And how you do it versus the way maybe Austin does it. So, the actor's iceberg for me was really thinking about one, what is the metric that a lot of actors and the industry use to signify success? And then, what are really, what do you really have to do? What are the things that you have to go through that you have to do? that got those people there, right? And I really started thinking about that, things like classes, uh, going through a ton of rejection. And, And inevitably, whenever the actor's iceberg makes the rounds, I have rejection under the water four times. And inevitably somebody points out as if I have made a mistake, that rejection is on there four times. And I'm like, no, that's on purpose, my friend. That is on purpose their rejection is on there more times than anything else, but there's also therapy. There's also self-care, there's classes, there's techniques, there's money management, there's relationships. There are all these things that success in any other industry you could make the, and they do, they make the same kind of infographics. I just wanted one that actors could point out and be like, Oh, so when I see somebody get an Oscar underneath the surface of that, are all these things. So if I'm doing all these things and I'm going through all these things, there's nothing different about me than the person who got the Oscar. Sure. They might be in a different place in their career, all of that stuff, but I wanted something functional that even I could point at and be like, this is what's going on underneath. It's not linear. It's not, yes, sometimes your head is going to come above the water and you're going to have success or what looks like success to other people and even to yourself but underneath this is this is how you do it this is what you have to do
0: yeah it's funny because i always uh saw success as an actor is getting paid to do it and not have to do something else like you know that would that's my version of success right going into work on set or in theater on a you know location and getting paid and then going back auditioning for more, getting in the next thing, and all that, and not having to you know bartend or like wait tables, substitute teach, do a number of things, and even that to a degree is not necessarily completely true because just because you do have to do a supplemental job or some sort of employment does not mean that you're not successful as an actor i I also Took to when you you know because you asked me parts of it and I kept putting I pushing for more rejection because I've experienced it so much so uh, you could blame me for that but also what you listed in the caption that's not on necessarily the um the original caption that's not necessarily on the graphic is this is something to show people in your family or your friends that don't understand the metrics of success as an actor all they see is are you on TV or are you on you know in the movies and how much you make and if you've won any awards or you know you know celebrities or go to parties or red carpets and stuff to me it was that that part of it that that it was a, a newer thing to be like yeah i don't have to explain myself this just look at this and this is basically my life right and all the stuff underneath the surface If I'm executing those things, I'm successful. And once the career or the the moment or the the role rises above the surface, then other people get to judge it. But kind of below the surface of the water is kind of up to you and and your own internal metrics of how you're doing and how you're succeeding. And yeah, I appreciated that when you added that as a caption. Um, And I do love your quotes and positive messaging that you include from your experience and for actor's experience with actors. You know, when you coach someone and you see something, there's, uh, discoveries you make. And I, I see you take notes and you, you know, you look to, to create a meme and, and to create, uh, the next message to help the next, you know, generation or the next line of actors kind of waiting for, uh, inspiration or guidance. Okay. So I just want to transition kind of back to my regular scheduled questions um, and see how you as an acting coach respond and think about uh, some of the questions I asked actors. So as a coach, and this is a, one of the more difficult questions because I do not intend to make it easy, but uh, so as a coach and a teacher, what do you think is the most important aspect in acting and, and the execution of a successful either scene, performance, audition. And the list includes relaxation, objectives, tactics, actions, motives, subtext, spontaneity, listening, relationship, or connecting with uh, the other actor or the reader um, in an audition, or the emotional life or truth of the character. And if there's something else you could tell me too. But what is your view on that? Um, There's no right answers, but there kind of are.
1: Okay. Um, so yes, this is, <laughs> I feel like this it's a trap, this question. It does feel like a little bit like a trap, but uh, I think I'm going to give a really crappy answer and an unsatisfying answer, which is yes. Yes to all of it. The answer to that question is yes. Uh, I think for me to dive deeper into my answer, it's, it's very specific to a situation and to the actor. And even for me, it's like, you know, I go through cycles as a, as an acting coach of like what, what's coming up for a lot of my clients right now. And sometimes it has to do with like what's going on in the the world. So like for me right now, I think mind-body connection is really important. I think being connected to your body I think being able to hold emotions, I think being able to be in your body, I think being able to be in your voice, and I can even hear my voice changing right now as I'm talking about it, and I can feel it in my body that I'm starting to sit in a different way. That to me right now feels really important. And I think it's because you know we've been through so much as human beings in the past 18 months, and I think it's natural and I think it's necessary that you don't really want to be in our bodies, right? Like we're, you know, we've been deep in this survival mode, but for actors, it is everything. Being in your body, being in your voice, being connected. I think that that is so important. And look, that's not to say like, you have to be hundred percent all the time, but I think you have to have a facility about it. I think you have to have an awareness about it and I think most techniques are designed to train actors to be in their body and be present in a way that you're not normally socialized to be. But I think that's also just one aspect. You know, I think then you have to do it all. <laughs> right. And sometimes all of that feels more capable or closer and farther away. But I think it's also like asking a pianist. Somebody who plays the piano, like what's more important—the black keys, the white keys, or the pedals—and I think their answer to you might be like, "Well, the first thing that's the most important is just that the piano is tuned correctly, right? Like it doesn't really matter what's more important if the white, the black, or the pedals—if the piano is tuned like shit, right? It doesn't matter. But after that, in order to play, I kind of need all of it, right? But the demands of the Piece that I want to play, maybe the way I want to play it, the specific song. Sure, sometimes the pedals are less important than the keys. Sometimes the black keys are more important than the white keys, right? But it it, it doesn't mean they go away. It just means, as a professional pianist, it's like at first, (laughs) if the piano isn't tuned, I can't play the song. After that, then the importance of things becomes nuanced and personal and dependent. So that's my answer to that.
0: Martin Landau would always say at the Actor's Studio that actors and their instruments, voices and body are a tune or like a Stradivarius, like the one of the most finely created violins violin brands in the world that that instrument is created to have an immaculate sound. But if that violin is out of tune, then it doesn't matter how well it's played in, in, in in our cases, as actors, you're playing your own instrument. You're not playing with your instrument, (laughs) your own instrument, totally different thing, but, um, there is a, there is a sense that, and that tuning, you know, like I hear you say, when you say mind, body connection, I hear you say that's relaxation to me, but follow-up question, like most. Cable news reporters don't do. Uh, what is what is the the, the follow up question that I'm going to ask is if someone's struggling in a scene. You have a client that's struggling in a scene, and they don't have a lot of time, and they're in a certain whatever relaxed state, not relaxed state, whatever it is, and you have to guide them towards the successful execution of a scene, audition, etc. Whether it's they have to put it up in the studio, on set, or in an audition. What is the one element of a scene, structurally, do you think that an actor needs to needs to really be specific about in order for that scene to make sense and their performance to connect with the character and, and with the audience watching?
1: I think that for me, a lot of times I go back to objective. And for me, rolled in there is purpose. Like, what are we doing here? You know, what's important right now? And, you know, that gets influenced by a lot of things, but if you don't know why a character is in a scene and what they want, why they don't just get up and leave when there's a conflict, that can really let an actor who is already a little bit struggling, it can make them feel like they're drowning. But I feel like if an actor maybe has a lot of the other stuff going on and the objective isn't as strong, sometimes you can get away with it. But if you're struggling and you need one thing to grab, you need one buoy to grab onto so you don't drown, I think objective is really great. And that might be specific, honestly, a little bit more to film and TV and even more specifically to TV because TV is often the place where an actor doesn't have a lot of time. Sometimes with film, you have a little more time. With theater, you often have a good amount of time. But when it comes to TV in particular, yes, you don't have a lot of time and things are happening, you're human, your life is going on, you're stressed, all those things. It's like, what do I want? Why am I here? What's the purpose? What is this character's purpose? Like, what are they fighting for? And then it becomes how hard are they fighting, where are the stakes, all that stuff. But you know, that's really, but I also think that is a result of the way that a lot of TV and film is written is from that perspective. So I think it's naturally what I even lean towards because it's it's in the writing, right? Like the amount of work you have to do to figure that out is like, it's there. What do they want? They want, to, they want this person to say yes when they ask them out on a date, right? it's written in the scene. So all that other work is great and we can do it. But if we don't have a lot of time, it's like the writing already did it for us. And we just, you just have to connect to it, go for it. And then, then the other stuff can come in. But yes, that is usually if somebody is really struggling or if I'm struggling to coach somebody, I'm like, let's talk about what's here right now in this scene, in this moment
0: yeah it's it's funny you said purpose because i'm listening to uh, another podcast called hidden brain uh, on finding your purpose and it's part of i think it's maybe the second one that they've done on this but they had this guy talking about the difference between purpose meaning and goals so goals like when you set goals for yourself but also in the scene as an actor that's an achievable task you set to accomplish that you know when you've achieved it or not right Purpose is more of like the superjet object objective uh, for the future, but it's also more of an internal quest. Um, and there's not necessarily a gauge of success. It's just it guides um, your goals and what what kind of thrust you forward towards your next goal, right? So if your goal is to win the Super Bowl, once you won the Super Bowl, Is it just going to be the next goal? They talked about like Andre Agassi. Once you're number one in the world, it's about maintaining that. But it's like, what is the purpose that's driving you? Is it just to stay number one? Does the end goaling or the end gaining overtake uh, the means whereby, as I learned in in, uh, Alexander Technique? Um, And then meaning is how you interpret something that's already happened. Like kind of almost like, your journey thus far, like what we're talking about now, you're lo- we're looking back and, you know, you're finding meaning in your arc as an actress throughout childhood and into your twenties. And so I, I just find those kind of terminologies fascinating because they shift so slightly, but so kind of uh, profoundly. And all those details affect me as an actor and, and a person in kind of moving forward in my craft and, and my life. Which is also informative.
1: I think too. Um, just talking about words. I think for me as a as an acting coach, and this is my style, a lot of times for me, it's figuring out what that word is for the actor, right? Because you know, you even you saying objective, it's like yes, I I know what objective means to me and all that stuff. But sometimes, and it's not that a car- an actor hasn't been trained to know what objective is, but sometimes. I'll even, when I'm working, sometimes I start using different words for the same thing until I see that thing in their eye where they're like, oh. So it's like, so I'll say, you know, what's the objective in the scene? And I, and for some actors, it, they're like, right in their training, boom, right? Some actors don't respond to that. So I say, so what do you want? And they'll, that will be like, okay. And then sometimes I have to say, what is your need? What do you need? What do you need to happen? You know, and for me, a lot of times, especially, more when an actor's struggling, it is just finding, and I think words are very powerful because we have such associations to them that are really deep. A lot of times for me, it is just finding the click, right? And not even for me having to let go of what clicks for me, and it's about what clicks for them. And so I think that 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 too is a big part of like versus when I'm just working with somebody where we're they're not drowning and even in that it's like I work with people very individually in that way like I know some actors like don't want to chit chat like they just like we get on and it's like let's rock you know I know some actors need the chit chat and it's all fine it's all good so um that's a lot of what I do as a coach as well and a teacher is like figuring out what's going to resonate with this person
0: What's interesting for me is like, I used to think of it as wants and objective is a want, what do you want? But when you deepen the stakes and and get to the place where you're trying to make the boldest and most dynamic choices possible, it it has to be, what do you need? Because if you only want it, then you don't really care. And there are no stakes if you don't get it. But if you need it and you don't get it, then that's a huge risk. and, And that stuff, for me, at least drives me. So when you talk about your actors and when you talk about auditioning versus working on set and we've talked we've taught workshops together where it's like how do you maintain the integrity from class to the audition all the way to the work and and kind of carry that through line and integrity and maintain the integrity in different environments and with different circumstances so do you think preparation Should vary when actors audition versus when they already have a part or are preparing to work on set? And if so, how?
1: So I think it's not a matter of should it change. I think it's a matter of it does change. And I think it changes because the amount of information the actor has changes, the amount of time they have to rehearse changes. So things are going to shift. Absolutely, they're going to shift. I think. For the most part, though, the well from which the actor's drawing from doesn't necessarily change in terms of that they're drawing from to make their choices. So I don't, I think whether it should or not, I don't, it's hard for me to think of a circumstance where it doesn't. I think the only circumstance where it doesn't is if you maybe, you know, audition in the morning on a Monday and you're on set on Tuesday doing it. You know, right? There's just not enough time, right? Whatever you did on Monday morning is probably what you're going to do on Tuesday morning. I think it gets, you know, more nuanced. I think how much it changes is, you know, depends on a lot of things or how much should. And then if you ask the question, well, how much should change between an audition and set? I think for the most part, not much of your choices should change until somebody tells you to change them. And this is a film and TV thing. And I want to be really specific because also understanding that the process of doing theater and doing TV and doing film are different. You know, the rehearsal process is different. Yes. So when you book a job on film and television, you might get a script now. You will have a week. And the other, the the reality is, is that a lot of times, particularly on TV and film too, I think a lot of times is by the time you actually get to set, words change um so yes so how much should change in terms of like the well the baseline of your choices not much unless you're told to that's how i feel about that but it will change how much depends on a lot of things
0: i find that the specifics of an audition kind of isolate and create in a vacuum the actual Acting aspects of that scene and the character and the story and the purity of that. And as an actor, I have to prepare to know that I'm gonna have or may have different props that there will be people around, that there will be maybe more than one camera in my face, because a lot of shows for scheduling. And if they have the budget for it, we'll shoot two cameras at a time: an A camera and a B camera. Comedies, four cameras, if it's uh you know, multi-camera sitcom, single camera is not always single camera. So like, quote unquote, Curb Your Enthusiasm is a single camera comedy by title alone, but use two cameras because they have improv and they wanna get both people's reactions. So speaking about comedy and speaking about like working with material and, you know, the different auditions on set, either way, comedy and drama present different uh, challenges to different actors. Some people, you know, kind of take to comedy better. Some people find it harder to get emotional dramatically and then vice versa. Some people don't understand the timing and the rhythm of comedy and then could cry at the drop of a hat. And and that's not a challenge for them. But how you approach that as an actor, as a trained actor, and also as a coach, I think differs from coach to coach and person to person, actor to actor. One, do you think the approach between comedy and drama, or two comedy and drama, should differ, or does differ? And if so, how? And and maybe you know, based on your training, what techniques come into play that could help either one of those preparations or challenges for actors?
1: So, from my perspective, I think comedy and drama kind of like live next door to each other but oftentimes are technically in different neighborhoods you know and i i definitely for me as a coach like i'm much more comfortable in the drama neighborhood than maybe i am sometimes in the comedy neighborhood but i think in terms of process i mean i don't approach it in a different way right like i think you need to all the things relaxation character objective all of that stuff all come into play I think for me, there's some nuances in comedy. It's tough because, you know, honestly I want to be like, it's not different. Like it's the same and you should just do it the same. But I think the reality is, is it is different, you know? And I think the approach to it is different. I think comedy really depends a lot on tone. It depends a lot on timing and pace and a certain kind of urgency that sometimes is different than in drama. and. And the here, I guess the reality for me is if they weren't different things, we wouldn't call them different things. That's kind of how I feel about it. Now, I definitely think we have entered, especially in the film and TV time, I think we've entered this kind of wonderful murky thing where there's a lot of where there's a lot of exploration happening, like an artistic level and a writing level and a production level and an acting level of like, Are these things really different? I think so. For me, it's like I want to say that they're not different, but I think they are. Um, And I think part of it too is that I think sense of humor is really specific. And one of your guests talked about this, which was like, you know, either you think something's funny or you don't, you know? And it's, I think it's really hard to convince people that something is funny when they don't think it's funny, you know? And, you know versus I think sometimes drama there's just more latitude to capture a different aspect that maybe feels a little bit more universal, whereas sense of humor I think can feel really um it can it's it's specific for a lot of reasons
0: yeah, my friend Polly said that uh you can't change your own sense of humor or your your own sense of what you think is funny, and if there's piece of writing uh, play movie show that is written to someone else's humor or written in a different sense of humor it, it makes it inherently div- more difficult or she said impossible for me to try to make it funny it- with your sense of humor right you know or to make it funny in the way you think it's funny unless I'm just laying my performance in your hands as a director or writer and just doing what you tell me which I don't think actors love to do anyway, but in a desperate situation will, because if they can't find the the collaboration point, um, but you have to make it funny in the way you think it's funny. And that's what auditioning is. It's like doing, whether it's comedy or drama, finding a way to make the choices, dramatic or comedic, poignant, funny, vulnerable, emotional, in your own way. And from your own perspective, because that's all you have really, yes, your talent is different, but it's less definitively different than other people's talent, but your experience is vastly different. Your life experience, your emotional range, your emotional expression, how people express certain emotions, you know, um, is different than other people. And that's what's going to separate you from the others in the pack. So we have all these different mediums, all the in the media, ever growing media landscape, film, TV, commercials, theater, improv sketch, like live shows, all this stuff that we talk about. Actors have to perform their jobs and have to do their work in a number of different mediums and a number of different environments and also perform to a variety of different audiences, whether the different platforms that we're, you know, kind of are, are ever changing and ever growing and the standard TV, film, commercial, theater, all that stuff, is there a different approach that you have when you you coach actors? I know you don't do commercial coaching, but is there a different approach that you think actors should take to those different mediums? Or is that those mediums defined by understanding what each medium requires? And if so, what what are those requirements?
1: Yes, is my answer. You know, and again, you will get lots of different teachers and coaches and actors have different opinions about this question, I think, in particular. But for me, yes, I think different mediums have different demands on the actor in the same way that, you know, as somebody who's classically trained and other has done contemporary American fare, all that kind of stuff. But I think even going back to like Shakespeare is different than David Mamet is different than doing a musical right? And there's just different demands on the actor. There's different kinds of execution, those kinds of things. Even, you know, I've been using the example lately, even with musical theater, right? There's a difference between doing Rogers and Hammerstein and Stephen Sondheim, right? Like those are different things. And how you approach it, how you train for it, you know, that depends on the actor, but the execution is different. You know, the end result is different. You know, what the actor's process is to get there, you know, maybe the actor doesn't change their process, but certainly something changes in the execution, you know. And so I think, you know, an actor could easily challenge me on this and say, but I approach it all the same way and I do all those different things. And I would say, great, wonderful, you know. But I think for me, even like one of the biggest things, like the difference between that I see between like film and TV versus commercial is just, There's a level of concentration, even at the base level of an audition that is different. In a commercial, oftentimes the story you have to tell has a lot less dialogue. It's a very short story and it's gonna get edited in a different way. So the demands on the actor are different versus film and TV where oftentimes the scenes are longer. You have to have more concentration. Even if the scene is just two or three lines, A lot of times it's longer than a commercial. And so I think that right off the bat, I think sometimes different kinds of concentration come into play in the execution of things. So for me, I do, and even for TV and film, it's like, you know, you're in a film, you're telling a story that is finite, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end to that story. Whereas in TV, that story can be infinite. You know, and not only that, but, you know, oftentimes we can go back in time and tell things, you know, and things like that. So, you know, and I think, but also then there's things like time restrictions and, you know, so pace comes into play, you know, all those kinds of things. And I, I, so I do think, you know, maybe not necessarily in your approach, but I think in your execution, oftentimes there are different demands for actors.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's a difference of how people watch it and what you need to be focused on and what your concentration level needs to be. Like for a play, it's very similar to a movie, but in a movie, as an actor, you're doing very short scenes or shorter scenes. In a play, you have to maintain that focus and concentration for two hours, whereas that will rarely happen in a film. On TV, it's about the the nuance of, the individual story per episode that you're telling but how it connects to the greater arc of the story you're telling and a lot of times you're proactively creating your backstory um i heard jason alexander talk about it. it's like you know what the you know what you're saying the beginning middle and end is right with a tv show you don't really know what the end is unless you start with the end and then go back in time and it's all it's all part of how we connect the dots of telling a story Creating and bringing a three-dimensional human being to that story, and in the best way possible. Do you have a favorite medium? Do you have like uh, one of the you know? Do you love film versus TV? I, I wouldn't or theater. Are you like a theater lover? I know we don't go to a lot of theater, but it's because we're in LA and you know, not not much theater out here.
1: I think I'm a product of my generation, and TV is like my bag. You know, I love TV. I think it's so, it feels so accessible. And I think we are, it's not a an over-exaggeration to say, like we're living in the golden age of TV. It's amazing, I think right now. and And even for me then, even in that storytelling sense, like I love the ongoing story. I love that. I love that we get to like get up in it and mix it up and find out all of this stuff. And sometimes in films, I do feel a little unsatisfied in that way. You know, like I, I really enjoy it in the present and then after, sometimes I feel a little bit empty, you know, it's not as satiating as TV is. Um, and in terms of theater, you know, I, I love theater. I think, yeah, I just don't get the opportunity to go as much and particularly now, but, Yeah. I think, I think the younger, like a little bit more snotty me would be like, of course theater. But the truth is, is like, you know, I'm in my forties and I grew up on TV and I just love it so much. I love watching TV. I love, I love it all.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't love this word but actors constantly talk about branding when you talk about branding I know you don't love the word either but uh what are your thoughts about the concept like what are your thoughts about uh young actors or actors and the idea of creating a brand for themselves I'm not talking about you know promoting products and you know making money on social media I'm talking about as an artist as an actor as a person that's going to be included in, uh, storytelling, whether it's TV, film, or, or theater and, and how, how actors should approach that. And I, I use the term manifesting a brand, but it's not like you're creating it out of thin air. You're creating it more from, I would think inside of who you are and somewhere in the middle of how people see you finding the common themes. So is, what do you, how do you talk to your clients? about that, this concept that is so, it's a buzzword now that maybe it'll change in a couple of years and it'll be the same thing, but it'll just, meet you know, some other word will come up. But I don't like the word branding because it has other meanings that I don't think serve actors in their process.
1: Agreed, totally agreed. Yes, and this is where, you know, words matter. And I am uncomfortable with the word branding as well. I think it's been sort of co-opted from something else, which is a little frustrating, but I think it's mostly because I don't have a better word for it. I guess it's a little bit ephemeral. And so, and I, I will give you props for this because I think of this this way because of you and your career and the way you think of it. And I'm not sure if somebody taught you this or where it came from, but I think of it as a wheelhouse. And you know, and I know you think of it that way. And I really, that for me, that word feels good. That word feels right when I talk to actors about, yes, all the things, right? You know, and it's it's complicated. And it's, you know, again, it's like, I would love the industry to be pure and actors to like, you know, be given free reign to like do whatever they wanna do and all those kinds of things. But the, you know, the reality is, is that we're telling stories you know, people fit into stories in certain places. Thank God a lot of where people fit is changing. You know, our idea of of how to tell stories and whose stories we tell and how those stories get told are totally changing. And that is not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. It's the result of a lot of hard work by a lot of artists for many, many years to make this change happen. So beyond that, I would, so I, I think of it as a wheelhouse and part of it comes from, I love baseball. You love baseball. It's one of the things that brought us together. And, you know, a wheelhouse in baseball is sort of, are the pitches that a hitter can hit, right? And you want to know when that pitch comes down, that it's a pitch you can hit. And yes, There are hitters who can hit lots of pitches and there are hitters who can hit a home run off a certain pitch and they can hit a single off of a certain pitch. Both are great. And one or more can be useful in different situations. But I think, you know, as an actor, when I, especially early in somebody's career, for me, I'm looking for the path of least resistance for them to start working on the things that they wanna work on, TV, film, plays, commercial. That's, I'm looking for in the beginning of their career, the path of least resistance. And, you know, that can be a tricky thing because there's, there are a lot of every, you know, so much about this industry is subjective, right? Like how I see somebody is not how somebody else might see somebody, you know, it's why being an actor is so fucking hard not just artistically, but in career-wise, because so much of it is just subjective, right? But I think, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for people to figure out who they are, how people see them. You know, I will say most of the time, the way I approach it is what shows up in your work? What When you don't have a lot of time, sometimes when you don't have a lot of information, what are the things that as an artist, as a person... You are naturally going to gravitate towards in that character, in that story, in the thing that drives you, the things that excites you. What can you pull off in a scene? (laughs) And that's, that's for me is the reality is right. Like, so, you know, and and a good example of this is like, if somebody really wants to do military roles, like they want to be on a show or do roles where they're going to play somebody in the military, it's one thing to look in a picture like someone who's in the military. It is a whole other thing to be able to, on a moment's notice, on a 24 hours notice, pick up a script and be able to sound, move, understand, have the all of the things of somebody who's in the military. It's just a different thing, you know? And I think that a lot of actors get tripped up, especially early in their career, because they're really concerned about what it is, their brand is in a picture in a two dimensional thing. And sometimes who we are when we're actually doing our work is something different than we look like in a picture. And we've got to kind of work from that angle, you know, which is like, well, we got to figure out what you do in your work before we can figure out what your headshots are gonna look like, right? And until then, yeah, we can use kind of just like a general good looking great picture from a great photographer in like a black t-shirt, cool. And maybe you use that picture for the rest of your career. I don't know. But I do think, I think a lot of times actors get really passive and they let people tell them who they are. They let people tell them what their wheelhouse is. I think you have to go out and figure it out for yourself. I think you have to tell people the kind of roles you want and the kind of roles you're capable of doing. And if you tell them and then you pull it off, that's the goal for me is you tell somebody, I want these kind of roles. They give you an opportunity to audition for that kind of role. Maybe you book it, maybe you don't, but then they keep bringing you back in forever. And they may bring you back in for lots of different kinds of roles, but they know that you know who you are. They know what you're capable of in a scene. And that is so valuable. But often actors, especially early in their career, they get very passive about it. And I think you need to be very active about it
0: yeah it's the difference between bringing the character to you and going to the character and i think there's a combination of how people see you how you see yourself and what your talents are and strengths are and put those things together and there's a happy medium somewhere in the middle that you keep defining the more you get called in for a certain role and i think there are benefits to someone where all those things line up. How people see them is how they see themselves and those are their strengths. You know, we know some people, some of my nemesis, nemesis, are very much like that. What you see is what you get and what they give, right? And I am more complex than that. So I have tried to carve my own niche in casting, even though I'm going in for the same roles, I'm going to bring something new to it. Because if they want the boring old cliche, they're going to go with, what they expect, um, I'm trying to bring them something new and surprise them and you know inspire them to go in a different direction. Or I, that's how I think, I'm the other choice or the guy outside the box. How do you feel, or how did you feel about seeing yourself on camera when you performed on camera? I know you did, you did a lot of theater work. And how do you talk to your your clients about that, especially now with the self-taping era that we're now in, 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 pandemic-induced self-taping era that might stay or will stay for the most part uh, with some exceptions. But how do you discuss the the ability to watch yourself objectively and be critical of your own work to improve yourself as an actor uh, without getting self-conscious about seeing yourself and judging yourself on camera?
1: I hate seeing myself on camera. I'm a normal human being, like everybody. Yeah, I used to hate seeing myself on camera. It was really uncomfortable. Um, I think it's a pretty normal, healthy reaction for most people. So I think, first of all, I try to normalize it and be like, totally, I get it. We all have things, right? Like we all have things. One of the things I do say to people is, You could be on a red carpet, have the best hair and makeup team, best stylist, have taken care of yourself really well for months because you knew it was coming up, and in every way have everything you've ever wanted to feel like you will be the most beautiful, handsome, luminous, all the things that you can do on a red carpet. And people will take a thousand pictures of you, and you will look at half of those pictures and hate them because we all have things we just do. So, you know, I don't know how to make those things go away. I do think things are a little different now for me. And I try to, you know, I think there's double-edged sword with everything, but I think people have a lot more opportunity to see themselves work on. And so when, when I was coming up, when I was in my twenties, especially in that time where like, you're really, I think sensitive about how you look and things like that, I just didn't, I couldn't get desensitized to it because there just wasn't enough opportunity. You know, like you just didn't get to see yourself on camera that much because we didn't have the technology. So I would like to think at that time, I would have hopefully developed objectivity a little bit faster maybe than I did. But I do think now actors have the opportunity to develop their objectivity more quickly. And that's why you'll hear actors maybe in their late 30s and beyond, say things like, I could never, and it's like they say, you know, I couldn't, I don't, I couldn't self-tape, I couldn't, that's all bullshit. I can't stand it when I hear actors in a certain place say in their career, Well, if I had to do that, I never would have made it. Bullshit. You would have figured it out. If you wanted it that much to get to where you are in your career now at that age. If you started now, you would fucking figure it out. I know you would. That drives me bananas, just so we're deep into it and my defenses are coming down. So I think there is a difference between being constructive and critical. And I think part of it comes with practice. I think it's necessary right now, but I also think actors have always had to do that. you know. And again, I I usually say there's always, somebody always says, well, so-and-so doesn't ever watch their work. And I'm like, okay, sure. Maybe they don't sit down in a theater and watch two hours of themselves in a film. But when they are working and the director calls them over and says, hey, come over, look at this at the monitor. And they everybody gathers around the monitor and you look and they say, so you see this part or this and you're saying this line and I need it to be, they say, oh, okay, right? You know, or I need you to hit your mark. See the camera's moving here. I need you to hit this. They don't go, I don't, I don't ever watch myself on screen. No, they go over, they watch what they need to watch on the monitor. They think about their choices and they get done what they need to get done. And if they don't like what they see, they look at the makeup person and be like, can you fix my bangs? They look terrible. Mm -hmm. Or the makeup person goes, they don't look terrible. They look great. We need to keep them like that for continuity. And then they move on. So I think that, you know, for me, it's, it's, I think part of it is practice. I think it, it is, developing and cultivating objectivity and sometimes you can do that on your own and sometimes you need a coach and teacher and other people around to support you to help you do that
0: i always think the people that say they don't watch themselves never had to right as an actor now you have to so that's a an answer from privilege that you're you're in at a position where you don't have to watch it you've been cast and stuff you know, maybe you came up in a generation where you didn't have to and you just don't you don't like watch like, yes, I don't watch like watching myself mid process at the monitors, I'm not going to watch a take, and then go on and do another take of that same scene. You know, I have watched dailies, but it's after that stuff is done, you know, and and now it's self tape, you kind of have to watch and say, was that was that who I think the character is? And was that what I wanted to do? And am I going to get further? So talking about like, you know, this generation of self-taping and uh, the, the lack of time actors have with audition material, what do you feel about rehearsal? Obviously, uh, as a trained, classically trained actress and actor myself, there's a, a, a worth in rehearsal. That rehearsal yields relaxation. It yields choices. It yields discoveries, right? Sometimes when you don't have a lot of rehearsal times, those discoveries happen while you're taping which is sometimes fun, but you can't depend on that, right? So do you think there are benefits to a memorize and go type of approach or uh, are you more of a fan of a rehearse and finesse type of technique? And when self-taping, whether you use either one of these techniques or approaches, do you think there's a number of takes that are too much before you start getting on the other side of the arc or the, the bell curve? as it were.
1: That question is a trap from you. I'm just kidding. Um, I will start with rehearsal. And I'm a huge fan of rehearsal, but I understand that not every actor is. And like, that's totally fine. I think that one of the hardest transitions for actors to make and it's not an age thing, it's like where they are in their career, is that, um, particularly for film and TV acting, most of that rehearsal you have to do on your own, right? It's not a collaborative thing with a director and other actors. It's just kind of you with a coach or friends or whoever, just kind of getting in there and mixing it up and and doing it, you know? So I think I'm a huge fan of rehearsal. I'm not really a fan of just memorizing go, I think it takes a really particular kind of personality to pull that off. And I think it also takes oftentimes a certain amount of skill and experience to pull that off. I know that there are famous actors who that's their, that's the public way they talk about what they do. And I respect that that's how they talk about it publicly in their process. You know, I have some suspicions about how they do that. And it's probably not, I think there are certain kinds of personalities with a certain kind of experience. I think a lot of actors are just not those people. And so they need rehearsal. Um, you need to figure it out. You need to get in there and like, understand what's happening, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's me, but I, I respect that some people are memorizing go, and I can certainly roll with that. Um, for self-tapes. And the reason I laughed and was like, that's a trap is because you and I have been on this self-tape journey together. And uh, from a time when it really was just self-tapes were like, oh, you're not here. Can we have you tape? And it was this weird thing to when it just started actually being more common. And I think it is here to stay, but the truth is it was here to stay before the pandemic. It's just the pandemic kind of like escalated things quickly. I think Where we end up is where we were always going to end up. I think we just got there faster out of necessity. So, for self tapes, this is again my thing is that I think as an actor, once per scene, once you get maybe three or four, what I call clean takes, right? Like you got all the words right. Like you didn't really, there were no big stumbles. And we could get into the nitty gritty about word perfect and all that stuff. I think. My answer to that is always as best you can in the time you have. I think one of the great things about self-tapes is you can basically use cue cards (laughs) now um, because I think when you audition in the room for film and TV, you're holding the script anyway, which is a version of cue cards. They're just, you're holding them instead of them in front of you. But I think once you get like three or four takes that are decent, clean, you you feel as good as you can about it in the time you have to do it, move on. I've honestly, I have never, and I can say this truthfully, I have never hammered away with you or any of my clients in the time that I used to, and it's gotten better ever. Sure. Did we maybe pick one of those 10, the 10th take? Yes. But if I look back on it, was it that much different than the fifth take? Probably not. But I do think one of the mistakes that people make in self tapes is they don't prepare enough before they come into a session for their tape is that they are leaving it to the moment to figure it out in their self tape session and that's why they end up doing like a thousand takes and they're there for 3 hours a self tape session depending on the length of the material should be in the wheelhouse of maybe an hour if that you know and I again that's not to say if you're we have saved self tape sessions that go i had 2 hours but it's usually because there's multiple scenes so you're getting you're trying to get 3 or 4 clean takes of each scene you know but i think that for me is usually the sweet spot if you can't do it in 3 or 4 takes the way you want to do it you either need more time so you've got to stop and if you have more time try it again tomorrow if you don't have more time this is the time you had to do it and this that's it you got to move on
0: I would say I agree, but I don't always agree. And you're probably talking about experience with me where I'm like, I need another one. I need another one. I'll always take another one if I have the patience and the energy for it. This ends part two of our in-depth discussion. Keep listening to part three of my conversation with actor and coach Colleen Basis. Thanks again to Colleen Basis for speaking with me, and thank you for listening. And thanks to my lifelong friend Jason Liebman and up-and-coming musical prodigy Dylan Hazen for composing and producing the Speak intro music and theme song. It pays to have talented people in your life, and I'm extremely grateful for this sweet tune. One last note, I want to give a special shout-out to Jenny Josephson for her guidance in conceiving and producing this podcast. Thanks for all your advice, patience, and support. Subscribe to Actorspeak on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you'll be eligible to win some cool Actor Speak swag. Once again, thank you for listening. This was Actorspeak.